I'm Jordan Goodman. And I'm Justin Goodman. We're third-generation insurance agency owners and also brothers. Even though we had the same upbringing, we see the world very differently. This caused significant issues in our early years, but we eventually embraced the idea that every coin needs two sides to be complete. In 2018, we launched our second company, Total CSR, with the aim of reducing new-to-industry onboarding timeframes from two years to two months. Since then, we've traveled the country speaking to thousands of agency owners and their teams, and we've come to realize two things. We all struggle with similar challenges, regardless of size and location, and oftentimes, we are too embarrassed to ask for help. The Independent Agent Podcast is our attempt to provide helpful answers to your most difficult questions, anonymously, of course. Thanks for listening. Well, hello there. <laughs> that was Justin's attempt to intro. <laughs> well, hello there. Uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go with that one. Continue, Justin. Welcome to another episode of the Independent Agent Podcast. You don't get to intro anymore. I think this was your first and last intro. <laughs> you wanted me to do it. I thought you would bring something to the table. I I did bring. I brought some awkwardness. Yeah, <laughs> mostly what you bring. Are we drinking first this time, or are we drinking? We'll give it a, a, another go. Last week's, uh, you didn't execute as well as I would have liked, so let's try it again. Okay. We are going to start drinking now. All right, so what do you have for me today? I have your Ultra. Delicious. It's not going to be good, but I thought, since we did something super clean and healthy last week, we'll go back to beer this week. And do a nice cold Guinness. So, Justin, when's the last time you had a Guinness? Uh, that would be 2001. 2001? Mm-hmm. So, what, you're like two years into school at that point? About that, yeah. About that, and that was your first beverage. So, do you, do you remember what it tastes like? Do you remember the difference between a stout and a porter? So this is a stout. I would have no idea. I, okay. I couldn't even tell you. Okay, the porter is going to be a little bit more sweeter. And actually, you know what? I what? take that back. I think um, in high school, after a golf round, Dad and Mike, Mike actually brought over Guinness, wanted me to try it, and he actually cut open the can that had a little packet inside of it. Yeah, they're supposed to have those, uh, at least they used to. They had those little, like, uh, CO2 things in there. Man. Not a, not a pretty face. No, it's it's um, coffee-like, um, bitter, <clears throat> without the novelty of something to uh, carbonate it on the spot. Yeah, I'm less impressed with this. Less impressed than what? than the, others the 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 disappointing thing on the guinness is that i don't have a glass here i didn't prepare for that and half the fun with the guinness is pouring it out and just watching the whole thing settle and it's just a piece of art as you pour it out do you know the story behind the guinness book of world records i don't it's worth googling friends but there's a methodology that they used via guinness book of world records to sell more beer so read about it It'll be entertaining for for later. You, you, you're not gonna you're not gonna tell them. 
I may or may not have forgotten some of the details. <laughs> Sometimes I'm not the best storyteller. Yeah, it's true. But it's still inter- interesting, so. Okay. All right. First All right. question. I'll, I'll do the reading on this one. Perfect. All right. The agency I work for provides a higher commission split overall, so this is a producer, for both new and renewal business, but does not reimburse for any of our marketing expenses. Recently, I was approached by a recruiter for a large regional agency, and while the splits are not as high, they are offering to provide a lot more marketing support than I'm receiving now. I'm in California, so I'm not concerned about the non-compete being enforced if I leave, but my preference would be to leverage this opportunity to get my agency to provide me with a marketing budget. What advice would you have to best negotiate that with my current agency? Well, you are going to, and I think the agency knows this too, if you walk and you go to another firm, unless you have ownership on the book, you're like at at best going to bring over like half your book, right? And so I don't know if it's as much you're going to be able to leverage that for a higher marketing budget. I would recommend that you lay out a plan of why that's going to increase your production numbers if you had said budget and how that's going to make a difference. I don't know that leveraging, unless you are just an absolute killer of which you'd probably have the budget anyway or the budget wouldn't matter to you because you're making so much money. I don't think you're going to be able to leverage an offer from another agency to increase your marketing budget. Especially, I mean, you go to the large agencies, they're going to pay you probably, you know, at least 20, 30, 40% less in, in commission than what you're, what a smaller agency is going to pay you, especially if they're, they're going to give you a marketing budget. I mean, that's my thought. I, I don't know. My advice to you would be to lay out a plan of why you think a marketing budget would go forth and help you sell more and lay specifically out what your plan of action is and how that's going to help and say, let's do this with, with a specified budget for, you know, 120 days or six months, something like that. And then go from there. I mean, or if you think the marketing budget is going to matter, let's say they're paying you 40, 40, right? And then you're going to go over to a big firm and they're going to pay you 20, 20. Say, why don't I take 35, 35, and and take that money and then put the, tr- tr- the I mean there's a ton of ways to skin the cat but I I don't think this this is that that difficult of a, a conversation. I'm going to say something you're not going to like. I've heard it said that a lion doesn't have to tell people that it's a lion, right? And those killer producers, if they're producing, when they just say I need this resource, it's provided to them in most cases. If you're generating revenue to that level, right? My guess is you're not that killer producer. If you were, they're not going to have the killer producer. They have a hard time saying no. And I've witnessed that over multiple organizations. Um, What I would also say is Jordan's point about the commission splits valid. When you are getting paid, and there are some agencies who will pay 60, 50 on new and then renewal, I don't know how they make money at that model, right? You look at the resources that you have left to, let alone be able to service the account. Um, and then if, if there's anything on top of that to go market something, it's not much. So Jordan's point about, hey, take some of that money and put it towards marketing, that is a viable option. And that's showing you taking skin of the game, right? To be clear, do you know if they're referencing marketing as in going to market, as in like account manager support, or like marketing advertising type marketing? 
marketing advertising. Okay. And so uh, the other component of that that I would say is if I wanted to go and do something, I would come up with a plan. And then I would present said plan to the agency, and I would spend very little time focusing on that nice person elsewhere who is offering me potentially an opportunity elsewhere. I can tell you, and my own employees will tell you, that if someone ever gave them an offer somewhere else, I'm never going to match it. I'm never going to go back and play that game. The way it works in our agency is, if you want money, if you don't think you're compensated well enough, you tell me, we'll have that discussion. But we're not going to go and be leveraged by somebody else out there and compare apples to oranges culture, what we offer resource-wise, et cetera. It's not the right way to go. The right way to go, I agree with Jordan, is to go back and say, this is what I think I can do with the with these dollars. Here's the return for the agency. And maybe it's I meet halfway. Or maybe if it doesn't produce the set of results, then I'll eat certain amount of the cost. You keep an open mind. But again, that other larger regional carrier their, or agency, they're trying to grow. And so they're willing to take a shot on somebody to pull over the business. And if you are unsuccessful in that, they're fine jettison you, you know, within the first six months. So I just think the focus needs to be more on what's your action plan, what's the budget you need for success, and what, if anything, are you willing to take on your own risk for that? Because ultimately, if it's a small enough percentage of that risk that you own, and you think this marketing budget is going to be that effective, you end up winning in the long run. You end up making more money. Jordan? I think that's it. There's also, this goes back to the last week's podcast, when I said that producers like marketing and support is is helpful, but a reason a producer is successful is because the producer can go out and make relationships. So I've yet to see a producer who's been like, it's this crazy marketing support that I've got that's made me so successful. It's the producer that goes out and grinds and makes the relationships and negotiates and gets the deal done. Like at the end of the day, it's that. So if you're a producer that's saying, hey, I don't like the reason I'm not being successful is because of my marketing budget maybe that helps you 10%. That's not it's not why you're not successful. Well, and you bring up a, another point too is there are some producers who rely on inbound leads based upon marketing efforts of the agency versus those that generate their own opportunities. And quite honestly, what every agency owner wants is that person who's going to generate their own opportunities. And if we're talking augmenting those self-generated opportunities with marketing dollars, that's one thing. If it's, I don't have enough opportunities that are being fed to me by the company's marketing and I want a little more so I can make a little more, that's a different story as well. I agree. All right. Cool. Did you say I'm right? No, it was my idea. Well, we both agree. How offended do you think all the people that are listening right now are by me wearing a t-shirt, Justin. I brought up prior to this podcast that uh, we had agreed in advance that we were going to be wearing these collared shirts to look a little more professional. It's casual Friday at the office. I'm in flip-flops, a t-shirt. It's January. Yeah. Why are you wearing flip-flops? And because we live in Southern California. This is true. It's a great place to live. Yeah. But collared shirt next time, right? Go team. We'll see. All we'll right. see. Uh, okay, question two. It feeds right in. <laughs> Would you look at that? Wow, how did that happen? <laughs> uh, in truth, I totally forgot that that was going to be the question. Um, 
The dress code for our agency has changed over the years and is increasingly becoming more casual. The problem is that I think our producers need to dress more formally than what things have become, especially when meeting prospects and clients. I am experiencing a lot of resistance as some serve different types of customers than others, and the dress standards are not the same. How would you handle this in your office? Well, as the one who always wants to err on the side of a little bit more professional, I would say that the client base does matter who you're dealing with. So for our agency, again, we're construction focused, and their attire is not going to be super formal. So it matters less. We would never go out in a suit and tie, although there's the, there are some that do that. But the comment I got was, I don't trust guys in suit and ties. Now, I also I also got the comment, one of my first appointments I went out on, she said I looked like I was 12 and would never do business with me. What, what, what did you do to augment that reality? What was that piece of, that article of clothing that you decided to wear? <laughs> the glasses? Yeah. <laughs> that had a slight tint. <laughs> I wanted to look older back in the day, and it was just not going to happen. Um, just so you have perspective, at 22 years old, I was married, and if you looked at our, our engagement photos, we looked like 16 and pregnant type of TV oh, show. <laughs> and so we really looked that young. And so I was desperately trying anything to look a little bit older. So I, I found some glasses and I was a little too embarrassed to go ask like the the eye people, uh, you go to the lens crafters or whatever to give me glasses with just regular lenses in there so I could look older. So the only thing I could find was off a CVS rack and it was these slightly tinted glasses. And and that didn't go over well either. So, um, but we we are going uh, off the deep end here. Dress code. Dress code. So, what I would say if you are in in a space that has formal attire, you should have more formal attire. If it's business casual and you have a good handle on that, business casual. If you have, you know, two different customer bases, one's professional and one is a little more, let's say the tech companies that might have you know more casual at atmosphere then you're going to have a policy in the office of hey this is what the office policy right. is but to visit clients act accordingly dress accordingly but i think if we're going to be honest and I'll, and and my brother was on my case for years about this we have had over the past decade nine clients come to our office maybe <laughs> 10 right and and so who are you dressing up for? What is the purpose of dressing up? Is it just because you were told growing up that you had to dress up? I mean, that's was how I was trained. That's what you're supposed to do. Or is it there's a certain level of professionalism which hopefully ingrains in us that we're going to work as a team and not treat this so lackadaisically, et cetera. Jordan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, so to put things in perspective, when we first started, up until we moved to this new office what, four months ago, mm -hmm. it was slacks, button down, maybe like a collared shirt, although Fridays became a little bit more casual, um, but you know, tucked in, buttoned, the whole thing, dress shoes, even though no one ever came to the office. And it wasn't until, like, I, I'd pushed Justin on it a little bit over the years and just it was, you know, dead on arrival. <laughs> 
but you know, once we moved new offices and we put the golf sim in and we are now a tech company too with total CSR, I was like, Hey, we're a tech company. We should dress more like tech casual, all that. So we finally, you know, relented and we, we got to change the dress code a little bit. I, I don't think we, I don't, I couldn't be happier with the decision to train, change the dress code. And I know everyone else in the office feels the same way. Justin's still probably uncomfortable by it, but I'm pushing through. Let's give a perfect example. Today, we interviewed somebody for mm-hmm. a producer role. Yep. They came in, somebody who's got 30 years of experience in the business. She came all dressed up. What is Jordan wearing? It's casual Friday. T-shirt, short, and flip-flop. Not Which shorts. It's here? a little too cold for shorts, but they're nice jeans. They are nice jeans. Yeah. Sorry. So that was what he wore during the interview process. So if someone if someone can't look around our office and take us seriously because I'm in a T-shirt. I can't look, take us seriously. They, they're coming to visit us, right? I'm not going out to them. If they can't do that, then look, it's not going to work out anyway. That's my perspective. <laughs> when people go for their official visits to visit colleges and you go to Bama, right, or SC, right, do they just say, hey, they're coming to see us, or do they put their best foot forward and try and attract that talent? My, my best foot forward is me. All right. <laughs> I think I, I think we've gotten to the end of this issue. In short, with your dress code, you make sure you've got a procedure in place for what is expected at the office. And if you have a casual Friday, you have it that way. And then if you have producers who service different clients, make it known that there's different requirements based upon the dress attire of the clients you're serving to visit. And and I would say this, if you have a producer who thinks it's okay to dress casually and is not doing so and representing you poorly in one of these appointments, you need to get on their case, and let, they may say, oh, I don't have the money for this. Get them to Nordstrom Rack, do whatever you can, you know. Well, and you can also, too, like if you want to, we have one of our guys that is doing this now more with um, with our contractors where he's still trying to go out and bridge the gap between being like too dressed up or not, where he'll still wear jeans and a polo, but he brings a sport coat every time. Yeah. And it shows like, Hey, okay, I, I'm respecting you. I'm putting on the sport coat. It's it's nicer. It's but it's not like so over the top because again, we're, we we insure contractors and they are in jeans, a t-shirt, and then the dog is jumping all over you. So like it's just a different environment. So I think that's it. That's it. Perfect. Well, everyone, thanks again for listening and have a wonderful week. Cheers. <laughs>